Hello, and welcome back to A Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin, and I'm very glad you're joining us again today. Today we're going to have another very interesting show. I have invited back one of my dearest friends of all time, and that's James Twyman. Jimmy has been traveling the country essentially in the way of St. Francis of Assisi. It's a fascinating project and journey and adventure that he has been on with a couple of close friends who have accompanied him doing a show, a one-man show, across the country as St. Francis with music, because Jimmy is a very well-known musician. He's known as a peace troubadour and is internationally renowned as a musician, as a troubadour, and as an author and a teacher. He's been gathering people around him hundreds and thousands at a time, wherever he goes, and he is uh, the author of numerous books, and he's been on A Better World Radio and TV several times uh, along these years. Now he is in New York City at Church of the Village doing his one-man show. But Jimmy is a vast human being, and it's a real pleasure and honor to have him back on A Better World to talk about first the show and some of the other dynamic activities in which he's involved to help create, well, may I use the phrase, a better world. So, Jimmy Twyman, great to have you, my friend. Oh, it is so good to be back. Uh, I you know, have so many fond memories of doing this show with you. Way back in 1997 was the first time. Oh, God, it's a good thing we were only 12 years old then. <laughs> <laughs> and to see how you have blossomed and bloomed and done so many different versions of this is very wonderful. Well, thank you, my friend. Thank you. It's been a real work. Uh, we became a nonprofit actually a few years ago, and just as a way of riding in the vehicle that felt most appropriate to us and uh, our world life mission. So it's it's all good, and it's great to have you back. Thank you. Talk about missions. You have embarked on this extraordinary mission and adventure across the country, and yeah. now landing in New York City. Tell us about it. Well. I'll begin by saying it feels like I've come full circle. Let me explain that. I'm going to go back, way back, because I've always, since being a child, had a deep love of St. Francis of Assisi. And it started primarily when I was a kid as an altar boy. I was serving in this church in Peoria, Illinois, Holy Family. And I'm sitting there as an altar boy looking at this holy card of St. Francis of Assisi while the priest is doing a sermon or whatever he's doing. And I begin to like have this experience as I'm looking at this holy card, almost like the room filled with light and something took hold of me. And that made such an impression. And that's where my love of Francis of Assisi began. And it continued on. When I left high school, I, 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 I entered the Franciscan order. I was only there for a couple of years, but still it stayed with me. There, you know, a lot of people will say that once Francis gets his hooks into you, he doesn't let go. And that was certainly true of me. And then in 1994... Uh, so does that mean you became a monk? I was in point? process of. In process of. Yeah, and would uh, not a monk because that's a diff a friar. A monk lives in a monastery. A Franciscan friar lives more in the world. Okay, uh, but I was in that order, and 
Many years later, a friend of mine gave me a sheet of paper, and this is when you and I began to meet, uh, that had a very Francis connection. So Pope John Paul II in 1986 called the leaders of all the religions of the world, the Dalai Lama, all of them, to pray the peace prayers from their tradition in Assisi, the home of St. Francis, because Francis was the first interreligious peacemaker. And when he did that, a friend of mine from Boston happened to be there by accident, brought those prayers back. A few years later, they were given to me, and I had an experience. Right. In one hour, I put all 12 of them to music, and it was beautiful. These were the most beautiful songs I'd ever written, and I knew at that time, you know, no one knew who I was, and, but I thought, I'm going to be a penniless troubadour like Francis. I just want to travel around the world sharing these prayers. And that's how it started. I started getting invited to countries at war like Bosnia, Croatia. My first book, Emissary of Light, which is when you first interviewed me, mm-hmm. came out. Suddenly I was no longer a penniless troubadour. Suddenly things began to shift, and I had many books, many movies. But I want to be penniless. And What's I going I on want here? to be like St. Francis. <laughs> so many decades later... Many years later, uh, I, I write this book that just came out last year called Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis. And it, it re-sparked something in me. And that's when I decided I'm going to write a musical based on the life of Francis because I want to do it on my book tour. That was last year. And I traveled all over doing this book tour. And, and it, was, it reinvigorated that original intention And so, maybe five or six months ago, I said, I'm going to go on this tour across the country, beginning in Portland, down to California, all the way to New York, penniless. I'm going back to my roots. I'm going to travel with no money, with no credit cards, not even an idea of how I'm getting from place to place. I knew that I would have 18 shows already booked along the way, but how I would get from city to city, who knows? And, and all the way to New York, where I would then do the musical in the church of the village, as you said, and primarily invite the homeless, be on the street every day, passing out tickets to the homeless, giving them food, giving them clothes. And that's what we've been doing now like for it. anything. We, we've had wow. hundreds of people donating brand new things. So so many that so we have remarkable. a surplus that we, we, we're going to have to drop off at the Catholic Worker this afternoon. So that's how it happened, and, so and, and it, that's why I say it, it brought me full circle. Oh, and I should finally, just to close that circle, one of the events that I was invited to do really at the last minute was uh, a church in Peoria, Illinois. Guess what church it was? The church? No, <laughs> in Peoria. <laughs> A different village. Church of St. Francis of Assisi. It was the same church that I was a kid where I was an altar boy on that altar where that experience happened. Oh Spontaneously, without even knowing that that's where I graduated in grade school, they invited me to come and do this show. And there was my picture. And that was in Peoria? Peoria, Illinois. And there was my picture on the wall of the cafeteria. And they didn't even know. As a third grader or whatever. Eighth grader. Eighth grader. <laughs> <laughs> you were precocious, so. <laughs> oh, that is, isn't that remarkable? It's been miraculous. Jimmy. It really has. That is so interesting.
Yeah, and we're we've been Watch shooting the whole moments. thing along the way. So we we will put together some kind of a little movie or even a series. I don't know how that's going to happen yet, but have we, you filmed the whole thing? The whole thing. Yeah, my my friend Bill Free came with me, and and he was just right on top of it. Uh, was willing to do it as I was doing it, penniless, totally on trust. Mitchell, we have had so many miracles that have happened along the way. Like did, what? Oh, oh, I'll give you this one How small. How did you get from place to place? I mean, the it's only, quite a distance this country. Two rules. Number one, we couldn't fly, and we couldn't take any money. Okay, so people could buy us a bus or a train ticket or give us a ride, but we can't. We couldn't fly. I wanted to stay on the ground. And or hitchhike. Now we didn't have to hitchhike at all because we were overwhelmed by the generosity of others. At one point we were. But your baggage or what have you? I mean, was I had one extra shirt, only one pair of pants, one extra pair of underwear. I mean, this was oh real. This slim. was real. This yeah. was real. Yeah. And so we didn't have luggage and stuff. A toothbrush, yeah. My, my toothpaste, I think I have one more squirt before I get, I'm done. Uh, and the camera. And drones. A drone. <laughs> Apple products like you wouldn't believe. So, yeah, I have one extra shirt and lots of Apple products to make the movie. And this, I tell you what, I'm, the drone at first sounded like such a crazy idea. I'm so glad we had it because some of the shots, we, we got to the chance to hang out. I don't know if you know who Richard Rohr is. Richard Rohr is one of my not. Oh, you've okay. When I'm done, all of you listening, if you haven't listened to Richard Rohr, R O H R, Franciscan in Albuquerque, he is, he's like my non-dual hero. He's been on Oprah twice now. He he is one of the leading voices in the world now of this experience, and he's a Catholic priest, a Franciscan. You love him. Anyway, so oh, so the miracle. Uh, so one of the Franciscan friaries bought us a ticket to go from uh, Santa Fe to, uh, to Kansas City. And that's, we had no money. So, because whenever anyone would give us money, we would say, we can't keep it. We're going to give it to the homeless. So we would go out on the streets and just find homeless people and give it away all along the trip. So we had no cash. And we had a so ticket. people would buy you meals. And provide well, uh, but yeah, shelter. yes, exactly. Or if we were on the train, we just had to have enough energy bars because we couldn't have it. We didn't have the money to go into the 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 snack car. Yes. Anyway, so on the way to Kansas City, we realized the lady can't pick us up in Kansas City. We have to go one more stop, twenty more minutes. But we only had a ticket to Kansas City and no money to buy that extra ticket. And then Bill reaches into his pocket, and the first thing he sees are two cookies that someone slipped into his pocket. Now, it was going to cost us $18 to get to that next stop. Uh, so I don't know who put these cookies, but then he reaches in again, and what does he find? A $20 bill that we didn't even know we had. And so we, we bought the tickets. You mean somebody may have tucked a $20 bill in with the cookies? That's Exactly. Someone stuck it in with the cookies. We didn't even know it was there until we realized we've got to, we need $18 like pronto. And so we, we, we did it, and then we, we gave away the other $2. That Those are the kind of miracles. Remarkable. Yeah. Yep. It, it, yep. Mitchell, it, it is truly, I'm, I always say I've had a good life. I've had many 
great adventures, from being invited to Iraq by Saddam Hussein or doing a concert on a hill overlooking a village in Syria held by ISIS and Bill Maher calling me the idiot folk singer from Portland. Lots of these amazing experiences, but this this one has, has taken the cake for sure. I remember you also saying, wasn't it in Ireland at the time of great discord, yep. right, between the Northern Irish? And yes. Yeah, in Belfast, Belfast. singing the yeah. prayer of St. Francis at Stormont Castle while peace negotiations were going on. And in every situation, or nearly every situation, when... There'd be thousands or even millions of people who would focus their energy and pray at the same time I would be doing something like a storm and castle or doing a concert in Baghdad or on that hill overlooking ISIS. In some cases, millions of people would participate and miracles would happen. And showing me, and this was really the foundation of all of these years, that prayer and joined full-on positive intention is not only a powerful force, but I believe it to be the most powerful force mm. in the universe. That is beautiful. Joined intention. What is nice these days, Jimmy, is that there has been an abundance of neuroscience that mm -hmm. has emerged Precisely. clinical studies that, that absolutely corroborate this thing that we know in our hearts to be true. Yes. And uh, the work of uh, my dear friend Lynn McTaggart, yes. who has uh, coalesced, aggregated. A lot of the studies show this exactly to be so, and she has also conducted what she calls intention experiments across the world, yeah. having to do with going into, mentally going into, and emotionally going into, you know, war-torn countries, going into people's bodies that needed tremendous healing from very serious yes. degenerative diseases, on and on and on. Yeah, Lynn is saying what you're saying. She's taken it to a whole other level. But it began with what you probably heard as the Maharishi effect. I do. Yeah, and this exactly this was the TM people who began these experiments. But it was a localized experiment. They would they would track crime, hospital visits, emergency room, hosp you know, all that kind of That's thing correct. in Washington D.C. while there's a certain number of people meditating. But we've done other things like that. For example, in Israel, we wanted to see if it would have the same effect non-localized. In other words, people wouldn't be in Jerusalem, but they would be focusing their intention on Jerusalem. Let's track the crime rate, the terrorist attacks. And just like they saw in D.C., they went down during the period. There were yes. thousands of people meditating. So it's not it's about real. bodies. It's real. No, and... and you know, even though with all due respect to Maharishi and that group that did conduct those experiments rather objectively, you know, with with metrics, as it sounds like you did in mm -hmm. Jerusalem. So I'm simply saying that intuitively we all know in our heart and soul the reality of prayer and good wishes and sending an intention. I hope that person feels better. I wish you a beautiful, blessed day. Things as simple as that, have the electromagnetic, electrochemical yeah. effect of reality. Yeah. Well, as, as you know, Mitchell, what this really speaks to is the experience of our inherent oneness. Absolutely. This is what the mystics have always said, well, that we are that. one. We are not separate. 
And and what you're describing in the same body. would not be possible otherwise. Yeah. Exactly. It would not be possible unless we were connected and one. And all we're doing is activating the, the, the energy of that oneness. And, you know, you could call it God. You could call whatever you It doesn't matter what you call it. Uh, in fact, one of the things that I've been saying a lot is I don't believe in God. I gave up believing in a God a long time ago. I may not believe in a God, but what I believe in is only God. That's the difference. That's all I believe in. That is a well-put statement. Yeah. Only God. Which, interestingly, isn't that what the Muslims say in... um, there's you know, no God but there's God. No God but God mm-hmm. is another, perhaps another way mm-hmm. of saying exactly same, same thing. kind of thing. So, you know, I'm laughing to myself as you're speaking, Jimmy, because I decided to go to college in order to study parapsychology, in order to prove the existence of oneness that there is God because of the reality of things like telepathy, intuition, telekinesis. Um, Empathy, even mm-hmm. of really feeling another person's being, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't have that department at my college, <laughs> but I studied it anyway. But no, it's just that is how I was thinking too, as a young lad at seventeen years old. That mm. this is what was important because you knew it within yourself. I did. Yeah, Absolutely. and and now it's so wonderful to see science proving it as well. Absolutely, it's it's it adds to its credibility because we live in a scientific uh, type of culture. Mm-hmm. But it's true. But, you know, the ancients always knew what it is we're saying here yes. with the idea of intention and prayer and yes. the like. I'd love to kind of circle back around to um, what my experience was of your play Okay. for a moment, because I want to let everybody know if you are listening live or you're hearing it this afternoon, and you're in, well, within 100 to 200 miles of New York City. Get in the car and start driving. To, exactly. <laughs> start driving, folks. Or take a subway from down, uptown uh, down to Village uh, Church in of the Village, village mm-hmm. at 261 West 13th 201 West 13th oh, Street, 201? I think it is. 201? Okay, gosh, we'll look that so. up. Uh, but it's it's on the northwest corner of 13th Street and 7th Avenue, so you cannot mm. miss it. Uh, and it's a beautiful church, and they've opened up their doors to Jimmy Twyman and crew. And uh, i got to tell you, I felt transformed, seriously. Mm-hmm. That's why I went Thank back you. again. I would have gone initially to be supportive of you, my dear friend. But, but not twice. to go back <laughs> was because... I wanted to be there. Wow. You embodied the essence and spirit of St. Francis. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, I've been to SEC. I mm-hmm. taught at a Jungian psychology conference mm-hmm. back in 1989, and I stayed up the hill from Assisi, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, it was not the cave, but it was um, a beautiful little. Um, some kind of hostel or something mm-hmm. that was up there, mm-hmm. perched over the oh, beautiful domain of mm-hmm. Northumbria, I guess it is. So gorgeous. But um, I felt your embodying St. Francis mm. 
the energy, the values, the perspective, the confusion at moments, yes. the hurt, the humiliation, the sadness, the joy, the love of God, the love of peace, the love of other as, mm. as self, uh, the love of Jesus. Mm. It was clear, and there was a vibration in the hall, in the church, that I was resonating with. And it brought me, and I think everybody there, to another level of being. Mm. And I don't say this lightly, mm. as you know, from having known me for so long. Yes. This was truly transformative, and it is directly correlating with your embodiment of the energy of Francis. Thank you. I, I take that with great humility and with great honor. Uh, of course, that is my only goal, is to be the imitator of the great imitator. Because all Francis really wanted was to be the imitator of Jesus that consciousness Christ. we call Christ, right? Correct. And when I say consciousness called Christ, I am, but not only am I referring to Jesus. Because as sure. Richard, Richard Rohr, who I mentioned before, has a wonderful new book called The Universal Christ. And he says Christ is just another name for everything. <laughs> and, and, and like that, saying only God. Yeah, exactly. And so to, to do this musical, to step into the sandals of this man who literally changed the world 800 years ago has been one of the greatest gifts of my life traveling all over the world and by the way for those you know like you said if there's anyone in the new york area and you can make it tonight great but even if you can't um there's, there's a website where you can watch the first 20 minutes of it that was shot in assisi the website is www.stfrancismusical.com that's just st no period stfrancismusical.com you can watch the first 20 minutes right there uh, I, I was fortunate to be able to do it a few times in Assisi. It's also being translated into Italian. Uh, so we're, my goal ultimately is to have it there every day in Assisi. Va bene. <laughs> Va bene, because the Italians love Francis, of course. And uh, But, yeah. I, oh, and the other thing I should mention is that on this tour, I didn't waste much time. I wrote a whole other musical while on this tour. Another musical based on St. Francis, which I'll be doing probably every year from now on, from Thanksgiving to Christmas. You prolific. <laughs> A lot of people don't know that St. Francis origin, originated the nativity scene. What happened was uh, there's a story that's in this musical about him going to the Sultan, uh, the, the Sultan um, uh, Camille oh. of Syria, of Egypt, rather. Uh, it's just like I have to put myself in the play yeah, the, so I can right. remember the lines. And he went there to try and basically explain to the sultan the true message of Jesus, thinking that the sultan would end the war on his own. So this is why Francis is considered to be... During the crusade. Yeah. He's considered to be the first interreligious peacemaker. And while he was on that trip, he went to the Holy Land, and he went to, to Bethlehem, and he was very impressed by what he saw in Bethlehem. So he went back to Italy to a town called Greccio and, and basically started the whole tradition of having a nativity scene. 
In his case, it was a live nativity scene with real animals and a real baby. Uh, but that's where it started. So this is a musical based on that story. And I'm going to be doing it uh, from Thanksgiving to Christmas all over the country. So I've been bit, I'm infected, and I don't want to be cured. <laughs> Jimmy the Unstoppable. <laughs> And the music you're reminding me now was also, well, you know, your voice is like honey. So, my sweet... Like butter. Like butter. (laughs) But truly, it uh, carries an energy field in itself that I I could see the people, um, both the homeless, and I I don't like that phrase, and I don't think you do either, because you and I both know that... Home is where the heart is in reality. And in a way, we're all homeless. And it has nothing to do with what we have around us. Yeah, we're visitors to this place. That's right. This is what I, I just tuned into something that uh, I was really realizing during the show last night, which is that your play helped to bridge the world's between the spiritual world and the material world, mm-hmm. in phrases like, this material world does not compare to the love that you really are. Mm-hmm. Sort of, i.e., God's kingdom mm-hmm. or heaven's kingdom, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so I was listening to these words, and we've heard these words so many times. And in some ways, because we're so deeply ensconced in our material existence, they almost seem unreal, mm-hmm. and they have no application. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they do have application. And it's that space where when people have what we refer to as near-death experiences, mm-hmm. they enter this other space, this other dimension, and they come back, they're full of love. Yeah. Now, I just watched my own dear father pass just a few months ago, two days before Christmas, in fact. Mm. And I was watching him head, in a sense, toward it. You never know when exactly, but I was watching him sort of drift between worlds, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it was so interesting, because when I spoke to him about worldly things, um, he kind of went, huh? Things that had been just six to 12 months before, very meaningful to him, oh, did you make a little interest on that CD, Mitch? You know, something of that sort. Um, Had no meaning to him whatsoever toward the end. Mm. And it felt bizarre to even talk about worldly things. Right. Because he was already meeting his Imagine if we got to that point before we actually arrived to that state where we could just live so abandoned and embodied and surrendered that every movement of our lives is centered on love and fire and devotion. Wouldn't that be a beautiful way to live? Absolutely. And that, I feel, my friend, is what you help to convey Mm. in that piece. It's certainly what I feel with Francis. Francis, some people realize, 
was at the he lived at the very end of the dark ages but he was also the beginning of the renaissance it, ha, it began right after him and he's given a lot of credit for being a huge inspiration for the artist and the great people who who initiated that and i really believe that we need this today as much as we've ever needed it one of the things you heard me say last night is that uh, a big part of me wanting to do this came when I heard a quote by a very unlikely source. There was a man in the 20th century who said, Our revolution failed. What we really needed were ten St. Francis of Assisi's. Oddly enough, that person was Vladimir Lenin, an atheist who was the architect of the Russian Revolution. But he saw the value of someone who was completely, totally committed and on fire. That's the key, the fire. We, we, we're drawn to people who are on fire. We want to be near people who have that passion. And Francis had it. And today, I believe that if, if we did have ten people on fire like Francis was, we would be led out of this dark age into a new renaissance. That's why you're doing a better world. That's why I'm doing this tour or whatever else I'm doing. And many, many other people, because we feel that, that, that we're on the cusp of, of, of a, an era of great light, a, breakthrough. a breakthrough. And that's, that, that was true 800 years ago, and it's just as true today. Absolutely. So well put. So it's almost like we, we go to the brink of disaster, planetary, climatic, political, economic, for the evolution to occur. Oh, that's always how it is, isn't it? Well, what did Jean Houston in a call world it? Of the polarity. Uh, jump time, I think she called it, where e- e- evolution doesn't happen in slow, steady steps. Or a linear. No, it comes against a wall, and then the pressure builds against that wall where there's nowhere else to go but up. Oh. <laughs> yes, I love that woman. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I was doing an interview with her in her living room, which looked more like in the, Ashland. Uh, yeah. yeah, when I was staying with you there back right. in 2006 or so. Okay. And uh, it was like visiting, you know, the British A Museum. museum. I know. It's unbelievable. I mean, she is unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously inspiring to us both, you know. So, yeah, no, I, I so appreciate that idea that of, you're so right, of Lenin, of all people, mm-hmm. to be saying that, you know. Yep. I think he could have used a little bit more of that fire himself, quite honestly, <laughs> because... Well, he, he had a lot of fire. That's the reason it happened. But he, he just realized it was misplaced. It, it, it wasn't about yes. controlling. It was about giving up control and, and surrendering into a greater power yes. that then takes us to places that we could never have imagined before. Now, among your other numerous activities and accomplishments, James Twyman, you have also, besides having made a bunch of films, and written a lot of books, you've also developed a community down in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell us a little bit about that. Right outside of Guadalajara, there is a beautiful area called Lake Chapala, biggest lake in Mexico, and there are a series of towns, um, beginning with the town called Ajijic, and many others where they're well, it's actually at this point the biggest expat community for Americans and Canadians in the world. It's an extremely beautiful, vibrant, wonderful area. And so about two, two and a half years ago, I started a community called Namaste Lake Chapala, 
we have about 40 houses and apartments, uh, so many people. We have about 60 people every day who come there uh, in the morning for our session, our meditation, and it's just been amazing to to be with people who are so on fire and dedicated and, and just want to live together in, in a place that's inexpensive and beautiful and safe and I love it. it. It was just a guided thing. I said yes. It's come together amazingly, easily, actually. <laughs> and I'm very well supported there by a lot of people. I couldn't do it on my own. Uh, I, I'm going back there tomorrow. I can't wait to get home. I've been on the road now for eight weeks. Uh started, uh, I guess we first left Mexico around December 28th. So we're getting close to being two months now. Uh, and, but I'm, I'm going to be really grateful to go home and be with my family. Mm, that's so beautiful. And it's such a good idea to have a place where you can call community mm-hmm. because that's really yeah. what we're all about, communing with each other, and yeah. that's, our, that's our game. We're yeah. social beings. That's right. We're social animals, if you yeah. will. And we need each other. We sure do. For survival if, and to flourish. If people want to find out more, they can go to namastelakechapala.com. Beautiful. And I was there, as I told you, back in 2006 or so, because I was teaching in Puerto uh, Nuevo. Nueve? Mm-hmm. Right next to Puerto Vallarta. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dear friend Paul East, the doctor there, invited me to his house. Uh, right in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I took a bus through the mountains of Mexico. Right. And it was like a, it was really a, like an eight or ten hour bus trip. Wow, that's long. It, it shouldn't be that long. Long. I don't know what buses so were like low. then, but now it's like oh being uh, in God. business class in an airplane. Oh, it was Way that better than in, in the U.S. Oh, my oh gosh. Oh, my, it wasn't that. At all. Yeah, it's different now. It was now. very picturesque. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but it was long. <laughs> Only takes about four hours now. Wow. I don't really remember how long. Maybe it just felt like ten hours. <laughs> I asked about Did you have an old woman holding a chicken took. next to you? See, that's what I always imagined with a, a bus in Mexico. And then I got on this bus. It's like this is like being in business class. This oh is great. My God, that's amazing. <laughs> I had that chicken experience in Puerto Rico. <laughs> that was fun. I crossed the island for fifty cents. <laughs> Chickens and roosters, and <laughs> that was a bull. Uh, but so I know. That the neighborhood, as I told you, there was beginning to be a, a Better World following fan club there, right? Watching my interviews, uh, you know, and really tuning in. It felt like they needed that kind of spiritual uplift and connection to a larger, you know, American community right. back then. But since then, it's been 15 years, and it has developed and it's developed grown. Its own, it sure has. You know, entities. It's always been a big expat area. Yeah. A lot of people like Dylan and Hemingway, and a so? lot of them spent time and wrote books there. And the Grateful Dead had a place. And but in the last say 10 years or so, it's exploded. So it's good because the the gringos, as we call them, uh, do bring a lot of energy, money, and and there's a good relationship between the local local people and the expats. Uh it's a very nice town. And so I I'm I think I'm going to be there for a long time. I just love it. 
That's fantastic. I think it's time for you to learn a little Espanol, too. Sí. <laughs> sí. Es necesario. <laughs> sí, quite. Well, you have been up to so much good, Jimmy. I mean, you're so into transforming the planet and people's hearts and moving them, and you've been at it. I mean, I was with you. We were together even in northern England when I think about it. I was at Vindhorn uh, interviewing Eileen Caddy, the founder of Vindhorn, and others. Wow. And I drove down to where you were running the beloved community in retreat. northern England. Retreat. It's been amazing Remember? how you and I have intersected over the years. Isn't it? In all different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York, Ashland, mm-hmm. England, et cetera, et cetera. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. And we're going to continue. Amen. This, you know? Well, Jimmy Twyman, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. I yep. looked back in the archives and I saw the last time was seven years ago. Wow. That long ago. Yep. Well, here, let's not make it another seven years. And by the way, if anyone wants to follow along and be on the, the, the email list, you can go to James F. as in Francis, Twyman, T-W-Y-M-A-N, dot com. Uh, and then there's also the link there that does take you to the site that you can watch the, the uh, first 20 minutes of the St. Francis musical shot in a CZ. It's just beautiful. And, and, yeah, whatever. It's just so great to be here with you again, Mitchell. Mutual, mutual. Is your middle name really Francis? My middle name is Frederick, and my confirmation name, which I took when I was 13, is Francis. There are no mistakes in this universe. And I I, I took that in Peoria, Illinois, at that church that I just mentioned because of that experience that I had when I was looking at that picture. I said, he's my guy. Oh, God. So just to say. Uh, something I was thinking about when we were talking about prayer, Maharishi, the work of uh, Lynn McTaggart, and many others in the space of understanding and appreciating quantum uh, of prayer and intention. And I wanted to bring up some work that I have been doing for uh, many years with my clients and groups. And I have had over the last few years a group called the Heaven on Earth Group. Mm-hmm. And it came out of a retreat where I was teaching. And in it, Jimmy, I use through therapeutic theater, building empathy, Mm. creating uh, like sort of one heart, one energy field of communicating through that quantum field to people who are not in the room, usually relatives, sometimes bosses, other important people. And communicating through that field as though we are completely wired, as we are, as you properly said, uh, like it's a telephone. Mm -hmm. And we can speak to people through the field with intention and things change in the world. So we've had people where mothers have been forlorn because their sons or daughters haven't contacted them in years. Mm. All of a sudden, after our session, Wow. Phone call would come. <laughs> Things like that. Ma, I was just thinking about you. I don't know. And wow. I felt like it was just time to call. Miracles are all around us. We just have to have the eyes to see them. Exactly. And the hearts to feel them. Yes. Exactly. Jimmy, give your website out again that you would like to do. If you go to James F. F is in Francis, Twyman, T-W-Y-M-A-N.com. That's my main site. And you can pretty much get to everywhere through there. Wonderful. 
thank you so much for being back. My on the show. pleasure, Brother Mitchell. We will do it again, Brother Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank all of you for tuning in today, and uh, I'm so glad to share my dear friend Jimmy Twyman with you all and his brilliant work. If you are in or around New York City tonight, that is Sunday, February 23rd, please make it a point to get yourself to the Church of the Village on 13th Street and 7th Avenue. You can't miss it. Uh, It starts at 6.30, but there is soup for all served at 6 o'clock if you get there. The doors are open. It's donations only. Uh, Please come. Bring your friends. Bring your family. It's truly a worthwhile evening. So I want to thank all of you. Please visit us at www.abetterworld.tv. Sign up for our newsletter. Become part of a better world family and community. You can also visit www.mitchellraben.com for various healing, energy balancing, and coaching services that I offer there as well. It's always a pleasure to have you. Again, this is Mitchell J. Rabin for A Better World. Spread the word, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.